Well, thanks for tuning in. This is the Midweek Devotional for Wednesday, August the 12th. My name is Parker Johnson, and I'm coming to you from my office here at First Presbyterian Church in Bruton. You can find out more information about our church at our website, fpcbruton.org. The church telephone number is 251-867-5395. Before we dive in together to the book of Acts, I want to give you an update where we stand with the coronavirus. Our elders met last night. It's called the session, and we have uh, made some some decisions. The first is that our youth uh, will be starting back on Wednesday nights. Now, it's just the youth at this point. That's uh, grades 7 through 12. We're going to start them back. They're already at school. They're doing sports, and so we felt like this was a a good entry point uh, for us. They're going to be starting back next Wednesday. That's the 19th, and they're going to be starting at 6 o'clock. So we will be uh, exercising great um, caution with social distancing. We have a great plan that our youth director, JML, the youth committee have come up with regarding how we can keep our students safe. We'll be playing outside. We'll be social distancing uh, during the lesson, and uh, and we'll also have a meal for them, a light meal for our youth. Uh, However, it's going to be already at the dinner tables, spread out, and so we'll be maintaining proper distances. So we're starting youth back first on Wednesday nights uh, at 6 p.m. next Wednesday, the 19th. Uh, We voted, however, to wait to open up anything else at this point uh, for several reasons. Uh, The biggest reason is we feel like we're going to take the chance to watch to see what happens with schools opening back up to see how we do. Uh, Also, other institutions in town, as they open up, it gives us a chance to see what's going on. Uh, We'll meet again on Wednesday, September 15th, unless we need to meet before that. And then we hope to have a better idea of how we can plan to start moving back to some of our other elements that we've been missing out on a lot. So we do cover your prayers uh, that the Lord will give us wisdom as we make these decisions. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that uh, your word is powerful, living and active, uh, that it is authoritative and true. Uh, So, Lord, we come to it uh, seeking to know you better through it. We pray that you would give us unction, anointing, help by the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I've been talking in our midweek devotions from more or less my own private devotions in the book of Acts. And last week we talked about uh, from Acts 16, uh, Paul and Silas and Luke and company uh, as they were in uh, Philippi. You remember the, the Philippian jailers converted, Lydia is converted, uh, and then Paul and uh, Silas are imprisoned and they're miraculously freed in the middle of the night through the direct intervention of God. And that, that's what uh, the Lord uses to bring the Philippian jailer to, uh, to salvation. Uh, We didn't talk about what happened after that. Uh, So in the morning time, we read in Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, or sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now uh, throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, 
And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Now just a, a couple points. Uh, one thing we've talked about is the different responses to persecution in the book of Acts. And we see here another one. We see Paul here actually uh, claiming the rights he had as a Roman citizen. He is going to leave Philippi. But, uh, but they had done something to him and Silas that they were not allowed to do. You could not just beat a Roman citizen publicly without trial, holding them without charges, uncondemned. They could do that to anybody else. See, people weren't Roman citizens uh, if you were born in the Roman Empire until much later. Roman citizenship was something that was coveted, and a lot of people paid a lot of money for it. There were certain places if you were born... Uh, and your parents were citizens, then, then you were a citizen as well. Certain uh, Roman colonies, cities in which all those who were born there were Roman citizens. But it is a rare thing. I mean, it's a, a special thing that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. And so they claimed their rights. You know, as we talk about the different um, responses to persecution, uh, it is sometimes appropriate to claim your rights. And that's what they do. But note that in, the, in their claiming of their rights, they're not giving up any of their faithfulness to the gospel. Um, and we see that because when they uh, apologize, when the police and the magistrates apologize to Paul and Silas, uh, we find in verse 40, So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Uh, isn't that fun to see that you know there were other brothers now? and when they had seen the brothers. And so apparently other folks have become Christians. It wasn't just Lydia. It wasn't just the Philippian jailer. It appears that Lydia, who was a wealthy woman, uh, that her house was becoming more and more of a house church. And it is likely, though we don't know for sure, that when Paul pins the letter to the Philippians, a, a, a letter of great love uh, for the recipients, it is likely that the church was meeting in Lydia's a house. We, we don't know that for sure, but, but these are the same people. Well, so Paul and Silas continue on, and so we are in the middle of Paul's uh, second missionary journey, or really, I guess, towards the beginning of it, and now they're going to head uh, to Thessalonica, and we pick up in Acts 17, where we read this. Uh, now, when they had passed through, uh, Amph and I should have looked up how to pronounce this before I read it, uh, Amphipolis, Amphipolis, maybe, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, and explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. I think in this, these few verses, one of the things we draw is Paul's methodology. You know, how we do missions and how we do evangelism really is important. You know, the ends do not always justify the means. We can't be engaged in ministry in a bait-and-switch uh, kind of aspect. We can't uh, do these things in a way that God does not approve. You know, just because you have a ton of people start coming to your church doesn't mean that that's necessarily been done well. We see Paul, how he goes about his ministry is using the Word of God. You know, that really is uh, one of the primary ways. It's not one of. I think it is the primary way in which God converts his people. It is through the Word of God. You know, we've talked about before, the Word of God is not just some book that was written by men. 
It's a book that was inspired, that is inspired uh, by the living God. It is his word to us. It is authoritative and true. It is without error. It is our only rule or standard of faith and practice. And so we can have confidence in the power of the word because the Holy Spirit uses the word in the lives of those who need to know him in the lives of those who do know him. This is how we became believers. The Holy Spirit opened our hearts to understand Holy Scripture. If you go back to Acts chapter 16 and the account of the conversion of Lydia, you look, we see in Acts 16 verse 14 at the end, we, say, we see the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. You know, have you ever had that experience of talking to someone who doesn't know the Lord? And, and you, you know, you use the right, all, all the right words. You clearly explain the gospel um, time and time again, and it just falls on deaf ears. Do you, do you know why that is? It's because ultimately the Holy Spirit is the only one who converts them, can convert somebody. We can't convert anybody. But God uses the Word of God to bring understanding by the Holy Spirit to people's hearts, in whose hearts He is working. We, we know that explicitly from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, let's see, verse, let me find it, um, 12. Uh, now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. How can we understand the Word of God? How can anyone understand the Word of God? Well, first, it has to come from the Holy Spirit to open the hearts of those who are dead. You think about this. We are dead spiritually uh, before we are converted. Uh, dead. Not, not sick, not um, just hard-pressed, not hard-off, but dead. And so the Lord uses the Word of God. We see over in James chapter 1, verse 18, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. You know, practically, as we think about how we minister to those around us, how we evangelize those who need to know the Lord, uh, I think we can say with, with great confidence that the word of God needs to be involved in that. That doesn't mean that you have to sit and read them a whole chapter of Scripture, but it is important that we use Scripture to tell them of the great gift that we have in Scripture, because, uh, we have in Christ, because it really is God's appointed means of bringing men and women, boys and girls, to a saving knowledge of Jesus, both the preached word on Sunday mornings, uh, but also the spoken word as we deal with our brothers and sisters, or, or rather those, our neighbors who don't know the Lord. So how did Paul do it? So as was his custom, he shows up in the synagogue uh, on three Sabbaths, three successive Sabbaths, and he uses the word of God, the scriptures. And at that point, that was the Old Testament. That's all they had. And so he is proving from the Old Testament. He says, let me read to you those passages of scripture that refer to Christ and he shows them first that the Christ must suffer. You've got to think he read from Isaiah 53, right? Um, by his wounds we are healed. Um, upon him he has laid uh, the transgressions of us all. You've got to think that's, that's what he included. And then he shows not first, first he shows that the Christ must suffer, suffer and the rise from the dead. And then he's going to prove that this Christ is Jesus. So he uses the scripture. And so what's the response? What's the response? Well, we see the same kind of response we see today. 
we see both belief and unbelief. Many people have said that every time we hear the word of God, it's like a fork in the road. It either drives people to Jesus or away from Jesus. For an unbeliever to listen to the word preached or read is not a, a neutral activity. It will either quicken or harden. And we see that here in verse 4. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Paul gives us a clue that there are three groups here. One, uh, there are some of the Jews, uh, I guess male Jews here, especially in question first, in the synagogue who were converted, who were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas. Now, I think join Paul and Silas means that they join Paul and Silas in faith, and they're also going uh, to probably leave the synagogue at this point. But people, Christians often stayed in the synagogues early on. That changes throughout the book of Acts. Uh, but we also see some of the devout Greeks. Who were these people? These were Greek speakers, Greek people, who were not Jewish of ethnicity, who were God-fearers. Uh, they had attached themselves to uh, the Lord, uh, uh, the God of the Old Testament, uh, you know, the, the one God, the one whom we worship. Uh, and sometimes they were circumcised and sometimes they weren't. But we also have a, a third group here, and that's the leading women. Don't you love how uh, Paul is, or excuse me, Luke is going to mention that there are women, leading women, who had influence in their culture, their synagogue, their families, their community, and many of them uh, are converted. So we see first that the Lord uses the word to quicken the hearts of those who don't know him, but we also see the second response, and that's uh, found in verse 5. But the Jews, and here we think Luke uses this phrase, the Jews, to speak of those involved in the synagogue, Jews by ethnicity and by religion, that uh, were opposed to uh, the gospel. So verse 5, But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. So apparently Jason uh, was a, a convert and had been given lodging, giving lodging to Paul and Silas and perhaps Luke and others. And so what follows is that the rabble's going to drag Jason before the magistrates, before the city authorities and the crowd, and, uh, and make accusations about uh, Jason because they cannot find Paul and Silas. God protected them in this moment. And so um, at the end of this, we see Jason having to give a pledge, a down payment, a security uh, in order for him to be released. Well, what happens next is that Paul and Silas and company, they leave. So we skip down to verse 10. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night and when, uh, by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Okay, so Berea is uh, near Thessalonica. It's down the road. If you have a, uh, maps in the back of your Bible, you'll probably have a map of the missionary journeys of Paul. And if you look on there, uh, the missionary journeys of Paul, and you look at the second one, you see that uh, the Berea is to the west of Thessalonica um, into the mainland of what we call Greece. And so we see uh, Paul and Silas heading to Berea, and they do what they had been doing. They continue in their persistence and faithfulness. It, hadn't gone, it had gone well in Thessalonica at the beginning. There were many converts. However, however uh, they were opposed, and there was persecution, and they were driven out. But that doesn't stop them. Note that they, they did not then set sail for home. 
they went to the next place. They went to Berea, and they just did what they had always been doing. They went into the synagogue. Um, we pick up in verse 11, and we see that things in uh, Berea are going to be different than they were in Thessalonica. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So we see here that uh, Luke is going to say something very different about uh, the Jews who are involved in the synagogue there. He, he calls them more noble. Now, what makes them more noble? Well, I guess one thing is that they don't end up trying to get rid of him in jealousy and anger, driving him away by bribing men of the rabble in order to bring false accusations. I think that might be one reason why they're more noble. But the greatest reason is their love for the Scriptures. Their love for the Scriptures. We read in verse 11, they received the word with all eagerness. They just ate up the preaching. They were there gathered. And, you know, this is the difference between religion and and Christianity, right? You'd have to think that many of the Jews that were in uh, the synagogue in Thessalonica, uh, their hearts weren't right with God. Otherwise, they would not have um, pursued Paul and Silas in such a way to, to drive him out and persecute him. Perhaps we don't know what they would have done with him, stoned him, we don't know. Uh, but these men, these men in Thessalonica, they received the word with eagerness. They were excited to hear Paul preach. But note what they did next. They examined the scriptures. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They didn't take Paul's word on it. They heard him preach, then they searched the scriptures. Now, it's interesting because they didn't have uh, they didn't have their own personal copies of the Bible. You know, parchment was really expensive. It was it was just the synagogue that would have copies of the word of God. And so, how did they search it? Well, they might have searched it there in the synagogue, but they also may have searched it together, gathering together, talking about these things, but they especially would have searched it through the scripture they knew in their hearts through memorization. And they took the word of God and applied it to what they had heard from Paul to see if it was so. You know, there have been many sermons that I've heard, and I'm sure you have too, calling us to be Bereans, that we would be like our brothers and sisters here in Berea, that we would use the word of God to make sure what we're hearing is so, and that we would do like they do, examining the scriptures daily. Is that our response? You know, as we examine, not only please examine what I'm saying, right? Uh, what, what you hear your preacher, or if, if I'm not your normal preacher, then examine what your preacher's saying. No one is above the word of God. And if they're not preaching the word of God, then contact your elders, contact the preacher uh, and, and tell them, hey, this is, this is a problem. You're not preaching the word of God. Um, you know, are we searching the scriptures daily on our own? And, and are we applying what we see on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Fox News and CNN, MSNBC, what we see on, on the news online? Are we applying the scriptures to those things? You know, are we running them through the lens of scripture? You know, I think so much of my own fear arises in my own life when I'm not using the proper lenses to look at the world around me. 
that I just buy hook, line, and sinker, the narrative that others spin for me, or perhaps the narrative that my own fearful, sinful heart weaves for myself. So we must examine ourselves through the lens of scriptures. Now, the thing is, in order to be able to examine the world around us and to examine what you hear from the pulpit or Sunday school or online or wherever you're worshiping, the only way that we can do that is if we first know the scriptures, that if we are walking diligently with Christ. Well, it's really exciting. We see the response to this in verse 12. Many of them therefore believed. Many. Isn't that, isn't that great? Many of the, the Jews in that synagogue, they believed and were Christians with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. There was revival in Berea, and it came through the preaching of the word. Man, turns out that the preaching of the word is really important. Um, but, right, but... Verse 13 tells us that the Jews from Thessalonica, they weren't content just to oppose Paul and Silas and company in their own town. They were eager to persecute them elsewhere. And so they show up and they agitate the crowds and, uh, and then soon they have to be on their way. But not entirely. Verse 14 tells us, then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remain there. Isn't that great? So I guess Paul was kind of a lightning rod, so they got him out of there. And Silas and Timothy, uh, who had been one of the, his, who was a new missionary companion whom Paul picked up um, in, uh, at the beginning of his second missionary journey, they're going to stay and they're going to keep, keep preaching. And then Paul will finally call for them uh, when he reaches uh, Athens. Well, may the Lord bless you today. May the Lord give us a desire to know his word and to look at the world around us through the lens of it. Let's pray. So, Father, help us today. Help us today to look at our own hearts and the narratives that we hear through the lens of Scripture, that we would trust you and your word and even not our own emotions. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.